your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm super excited for today because I am going to do an episode I've never done before, which is an Ask Me Anything episode. I do this sometimes on Instagram stories and I'll answer people's questions in the stories, but I've never really had the chance to elaborate on them or collect questions to completely answer on air. So that's what I'm going to do today. I am just literally pulling up my Instagram and I am going to read the questions you ask me and answer them in order. There's no particular strategy. I am literally just going down and answering these one by one and I'm super excited. And I have a very exciting offer for you all, by the way. It is a 30-day free trial to an app called Open that I've been using. I love meditation apps because when I started meditation, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I do I have to clear my mind? Do I have to float in the air? Do I have to like, you know, just get rid of all my negative thoughts? I had no clue what meditation was. And I started with apps. That's how I really got into meditation was someone else guiding me. I've been using the same apps for years. And recently I realized I need to do a bit more than meditation. I need to do movement. I need breath work. I need different kinds of meditations. And I swear in divine timing, open came into my life. I literally, it was right after my breakup and I was getting anxious thoughts in my stomach every morning. And I was like, I need to do breath work, but I don't want to sign up for like a 30 minute or 60 minute breath work class. I need something quick and easy in the mornings to just knock this out. And that's where open came in. They have three-minute classes, six-minute classes, 10-minute stretching classes, so many different types of meditations. So they have meditations for forgiveness, for heartbreak, for positivity, for energy. And that's why I love it because I can kind of just pick what mood I'm in and what time I have because I know we're busy, right? We can't be doing 30-minute meditations all the time. And I started using open and I'm like, wow, this is really helping me uh, regulate my nervous system. I noticed even three minutes of breath work followed by a three minute guided meditation would really calm that anxiety. So you can try this out for 30 days. I am going to plug the link in my show notes and the promo code is Chelsea 30. You are going to love it. And I'm actually having the founder and one of his teammates on soon, which I'm so fucking excited about. So yeah, be sure to check this out and let me know if it helped you as much as it did for me. Okay, without further ado, let's just dive into some of these questions. So the first one is, what are your travel plans for 2022? This is interesting because my plans keep changing. I was going to go to Europe again in January. So to give some backstory, I was dating someone in Germany. We broke up and I had just gotten a permit the week after we broke up, but it didn't make sense for me to stay in Germany because A, I actually didn't really like the country. I didn't want to learn German. I didn't like the weather. B, the taxes as a self-employed freelancer were definitely not conducive to where my business was. So it just didn't financially make sense to stay there. And it was going to start getting cold. So I was like, I don't want to stay here. So right now I'm currently at home regrouping in Florida, just resetting, finding my footing again. My family is going on a vacation to Europe actually in winter. So the plan was go on this vacation with my family and then pack pack an extra bag, basically stay there 
and then go to Spain or Portugal. I really want to be in a Spanish warm country. But I started thinking about it more. And I have a few weddings coming up in early 2022 that I was like, do I really want to fly back and forth for two weddings that are in two different months who are my really close friends, if not best friends? And on the second hand, I could be at home and really save a lot of money to not only invest back into my business, but to pay off debt and hire people. I am now in a space in my business where I really need more support. And in order to pay people, you need money, right? So I need to cut some expenses. And I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, well, living in Florida right now is pretty cheap compared to what I was doing abroad and traveling. So that plan keeps changing. So the this is the long answer. But the short answer is that hopefully in 2022, In February, I want to go on a big birthday trip. I'm thinking like Mexico or just somewhere really fucking cool. And then in March or April, go to Europe and I'll probably do Spain or Portugal. And then I'm thinking of spending a few months in the summer in the UK. This will probably change by next week. But as of right now, that is the plan. I really, really would love to see more of Europe. I know I was just there, but I was in lockdown in Germany for so long that in my eyes, I'm like, there are so many countries I haven't seen. There's so many cities. It just makes sense if I'm over there to explore it more. So that's what's on the docket for 2022. Okay, totally switching gears, by the way. Like I said, none of these are like in a cohesive order or anything. It's just kind of spitballing. Do you believe in soulmates? No. And I know that's probably shocking because I am such a hopeless romantic, like ridiculous. Like I am obsessed with rom-com movies. I love 90s romantic movies. One of my favorite movies ever is 10 Things I Hate About You. I cry all the time when Julia Stiles is reading her note about the 10 things she hates about Heath Ledger. I mean, wow. Like even now I'm like smiling because I just love romantic movies like that. So you would think for being such a sentimental romantic person that I would believe in soulmates. But here's my caveat. I don't believe you have one soulmate because I think we're all so compatible with different people. And if you think about this from a very like practical and logical level, a lot of who you end up meeting is because of your environment. So I always think about this. Like if I grew up in Spain, then I would probably find my soulmate in Spain or somewhere very nearby. If I grew up in Florida, it's likely that I would find someone in Florida or again, very close by. So to me, the logistics of a soulmate, it, it doesn't make sense. It's like you could have soulmates all over the world. I think if you want me to elaborate a bit more, I do think you can have deep connections and soul connections with people, right? Like there's those people that you're like, oh my God, I feel like I've known you my entire life and we've barely even talked or you just feel it. But here's where my like Virgo brain kicks in, which is very practical and logical. And then also just like my psychology background and really been, I've been diving a lot into learning about the nervous system and, and body trauma and all this stuff. A lot of times when we have like butterflies, that's just anxiety and it's our body reacting to a feeling or a moment or reenacting something from the past. So a lot of times butterflies aren't necessarily a good sign. And I know butterflies was not part of the question, but when I think of the word soulmate, I think of like, Ooh, I got butterflies. This is my soulmate. And I'm like, "Mm, is it butterflies or are you like nervous or is your body reacting to something within this person that's triggering something that you're not even realizing? 
And like I said, I'm I'm really like elaborating on all the different possibilities here. So again, I think all of these I'm going to have a short answer and a long answer. But the short answer is no, because I truly believe you could have a soulmate anywhere. And if you think about it this way, it's probably better to have more than one soulmate. Because if your partner ended up passing away or something happened, you want to have the optimism and the outlook that you could find someone else equally as great, if not better. So that's my perspective on soulmates is that you can have soul connections, but I don't think you just have one person that's your soulmate. Okay. Do you ever feel exhausted by the wellness and spiritual industry? For me, this question is a question of boundaries because I feel exhausted when I'm outputting more than I'm giving to myself or if I have no boundaries about what I'm consuming. So for a while, I was exhausted with the wellness industry. And I noticed that was because of my environment. When I was working in Chicago and I was making really good money, I was deep into the wellness industry, very deep into wellness trends. I mean, holy shit, like I, I can't think of one thing I didn't invest in. I was getting colonics, facials, lasers, this, that, Botox, everything you could think of from like a beauty level all the way down to going to meditation classes, yin yoga, getting the right mat, getting the sauna, getting the light bulbs, getting the this, the that, and the other thing. And I think it was because of my environment. It was like, well, yeah, everybody I'm hanging out with is doing this too. Why would I not do it? And the biggest change happened for me when I went to Australia. Australia is very eco-friendly first and foremost, which I know you're like, how does this have to do with wellness? It just made me realize how much extra I was consuming in America or how many extra things I thought I needed, where Australia was about like reusability and sustainability and eco-friendliness that I was like, wow, I don't really need all this shit. I don't know why I have it. I can't even travel with it. But from I'm speaking from like products. And then I also just really became in tune with my body in Australia from walking the beach, yoga, Pilates, swimming in the ocean that I just noticed my body kind of recalibrating and returning to a really natural state without supplements and colonics and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, whatever light and whatever sauna and whatever ice bath. And I was like, okay, this is the age old tale of like simplicity works. I don't need to overdo this. I need to eat proper nutrition. I need to get outside in nature. I need to let the sun and the ocean carry me. I need to keep myself not stressed out. And that's how I maintain my own wellness. With spirituality, there's always something new coming out, right? Like it was in the past few years, human design, then it was uh, gene keys. And now there's all these other things. I feel like astrology is really making a huge wave right now, which is incredible. So this might be surprising, but I have unfollowed a lot of people, including people that have been on my podcast, including people that have 1 million followers that have been on my podcast, including people that have huge uh, platforms and backings and companies. I've unfollowed them, not because I hate them, not because I don't think that they're incredible people, but because I noticed myself becoming exhausted by their content. It was always promoting a new jade roller, a new sauna thing, a new light bulb, a new probiotic, a new workout band, a new sports bra. I was like, this is exhausting. And that's when I started to realize such a difference in my own mental health was not following these people. When it's not in my feed, 
I don't even know about it. So there are some things now where people it's actually really funny being back in America now that people are like, wait, you haven't heard of the XYZ wellness product or this thing and that thing. And I'm like, wow, I guess not because I was in a tiny town in Germany for the last year. And then I was just so busy traveling. And I think with traveling, you're forced to become minimalistic. So I don't get all the extra stuff now. You guys should have seen my counter back in Chicago. I mean, I had anything that like buzzed or trimmed or shaved or vibrated or this or that or the other thing just to keep up with all the wellness and spirituality trends. I was booking readings all the time. And I mean, God, constantly just searching outside of myself. And I think even recently, not recently, but like mm, a year ago, I went through that too, where I was just booking anything like a reading, a tarot card reading, a medium reading, a spiritual advisor reading. And I was just looking for answers. And I can tell that within myself now that there's some dysregulation happening. And I'm really trying to find validation outside of myself through a wellness product or a spiritual influencer or something like that. And some of them are incredibly helpful. And then some of it, I'm just like, this is not helpful. I just bought it or invested in it because it was right in front of my face and kind of a shiny object. Again, I know these are long answers. So yes, I I do get exhausted if I follow people that are constantly just pushing products and things like that. But this is where boundaries become really important. And just knowing what works for you. Like, for example, I really like human design and I like knowing the basics of my profile, my energy type, and I like learning about it. Now, getting into the gates and the channels and the transits, I am not at a level now where I am either ready to learn about that nor desire to learn about that or could even retain that information. So to me, spending my time trying to go on a black hole on Instagram and figure out anything I can about human design just doesn't align with my energy right now. So that's a boundary that I'm like, I don't need to be digging deep into human design. So I'm not exhausted by it. Whereas astrology, I'm really into that right now. So I am loving the astrology content. I'm following astrology, uh, astrologers, listening to astrology podcasts, reading astrology books. And that's not exhausting because it's aligning with what I want to learn about. I think if I'm forcing myself to learn about it, then I would get exhausted. So yeah, that's my long answer to that. Someone else asks, how did you sustain your business while traveling and without launching anything new? This is a really good question. And I actually think this would be really helpful for any business owners and anybody that's a coach or a service provider is I booked out my one-on-one clients in March and April, and I took on about 10 clients. I will say that's a lot, but at that point, that was the only thing I was focusing on. So I was not doing courses and workshops and, you know, masterclasses or anything else. I was only focused on taking on private clients. And the way I worked out their payment plans were to be six months all the way up to nine months. So if you think about it, March or April was about six months ago. So those payment plans are still recurring through December. I would actually say most of people ended up doing a nine month payment plan, which basically saved me all the way through December, where I was like, at least I have this set of income, this fixed set of income for the rest of the year. Then this is something I learned from my coach, which I appreciate. My coach is Rachel Turner, by the way, was when you create that financial stability with one-on-ones, it gives you the space to do other things. 
So because I had the financial security and stability of having recurring monthly payments for a lot of these clients for nine months, that's when I could experiment with running a three-day workshop or running a masterclass and not depending on that income because usually the masterclasses and workshops are way lower cost than private client mentorship. So for example, working with me one-on-one is thousands of dollars. It's a four-figure investment. Um, it's either three thousand to five thousand dollars, depending on what we're doing and what the package is. And so, if you imagine, you know, taking on ten people divided by nine payments, you can understand how I've been able to support myself. And knowing that that money could support me, then again, gave me the freedom to run maybe a forty-four dollar workshop or a ninety-seven dollar masterclass. If I was just depending on a $44 workshop to sustain me, that's obviously not sustainable unless I had a huge platform. So I know when people hear this, they're like, maybe some of you have tried a $44 workshop and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's been my best selling product. Yeah, it's all dependent on your platform and your message and who you talk to and what channels you have. I think if you have a really large platform and an engaged audience, you would be fine living off of $44 masterclasses. Because if you think about it, if you could sell like $144 masterclasses, great. For me, I notice I usually book things out about the 10 to 20 to 30 mark. So for me, I needed to focus on higher ticket items to create that financial stability. And then I could experiment with lower ticket items. Like I said, I really learned that from my coach, which was helpful. I think if you're in a financial bind or you know you want to travel, maybe it would make sense to take on private clients or you don't have to take on private clients, but or have a high ticket offer so that the high ticket can support you. And again, break it up into payment plans throughout the months. Because if you're like me, one of my traits that I'm working on with money is if I have money, I will spend it. So I actually like when clients are in payment plans because I know every month I have that set amount of income and I don't have to guess where the money is coming from every month. It's like, I know that these whatever six clients are on a payment plan. So at the bare minimum, I can expect this every month, which gives me again, security to explore other options. Okay. Someone else asks, how do you stay so consistent? Any tips that don't require an assistant? It's so funny when people ask me questions like this, because in my mind, I'm like, I don't feel consistent. I don't feel organized. I feel like I'm a mess. And then people will be like, oh my gosh, you're always launching or you work so much or you're so organized. I'm like, wow, perception is so funny. And like how people view you is it's actually quite interesting, to be honest. So I will say with my podcast, I've gotten to a place now where it is there is a groove of like I record right after I record, I edit. Right after I edit, I record the intro and outro and I put it all together and then I upload it directly into my platform. So I don't waste a lot of time when recording the episode all the way up to uploading because for me, that's how I work. I'm like, I just want to get it done once and then in the same time frame, upload it to the platform. So with my podcast, I've gotten into this groove where I do have the capabilities to post it once, uh, once a week. Now with other stuff, This is where time management, boundaries, and batching become incredibly helpful because I know you're asking about without an assistant. So to give context, I do have an assistant, which I would highly recommend if you can afford it. There are people out there that can work for you from anywhere between 
20 to $30 an hour, say you want to set aside just a hundred bucks that could get you five hours. Five hours doesn't sound like a lot, but five hours could be saving you from a headache. That could be someone setting up your emails, doing all the backend stuff, make, maybe creating some Canva graphics. I started with someone paying them. Uh, I think it was $25 an hour for five hours and they saved my mental health. I'm not kidding. They were the ones uploading the call reminders, sending calendar invites, all that tech stuff. So that really helped me. But I know you're asking without an assistant. So time blocking and maybe picking a day that you do one thing or picking a time that you do one thing and sticking to that. So maybe if you have a podcast, let's say podcast day is Monday. So Mondays, you set aside time to only do podcasting tasks, whether that's recording and editing, outreaching to guests, making sure you have the graphics ready to go, creating a podcast email, whatever it is, it's all focused on the podcast. Now, I know people that get really micro with this, and this, in my opinion, is personal preference, that people will make it hour by hour, like between 9 and 10, I'm doing podcast emails, between 10 and 11, I'm doing outreach. 11 to 1 is this. If that helps you stay on track, do that. For me, I just like to dedicate the day to something knowing that on that day I'm focused on this project, but I don't break it down into like two to three is editing, three to four is audiograms, four to five is this. So that's what I would recommend is like keeping it open if you want to, and then just making sure that you're focusing on that task. The other thing that really has helped me is setting a timer and just knocking things out that I think are going to take a long time. I was really putting off something that I don't know why I thought was going to take me like three hours. And I was like, you know what, just get started and dedicate 15 minutes to this. Literally pulled up my phone, set a timer for 15 minutes, and I knocked it out within seven minutes. I was like, what just happened? So then I did that again. And I was like, okay, my email inbox is starting to get really large. The numbers are going up. Let me set a 15 minute timer. Oh my gosh, knocked out so many emails. I almost got my inbox to zero. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So kind of creating pressure for yourself with timers has really helped me. I know there's something called the Pomodoro method. It's actually a plugin on Google Chrome. I think you could probably get it on Safari and other uh, web browsers. But you work for, I think it's, I think it's 20 minutes and then you rest for five. Work for 20 minutes, rest for five. I think you repeat that three or four times and then you take a long break and then you just keep repeating that throughout that cycle. So I used to do that at my old job because I would get so distracted with how many things I would have to do. I was like, okay, this 20 minute block is going to emails. This 20 minute block is going to whatever. I don't even know finances. Um, and that really helped me. So the Pomodoro method, let's see what else we talked about time blocking batching. So the other day I did this, if you guys are on my email list and you saw me pushing out all those emails for unfollow the rules, believe it or not, I wrote all of those on Monday. I literally went to a cafe that was very quiet. I purposely go to that cafe because it's quiet and I got myself a coffee, sat in a cute spot in the corner and just knocked them out. I put my phone away. I didn't even think about looking at my phone. I only took a break when I needed to like I don't know, just like go think for a second and regroup. But I think environment is huge. I notice if I am like feeling like shit and it's gloomy out and the room is dark and my phone is distracting me, I am not going to be productive. But if I dress up, go to a cafe, make it fun, I will knock content out. 
So from a content creation standpoint, put your phone away, number one. Number two, try to make yourself inspired. Even if you're at home, make yourself a cute drink, get dressed up, go outside, work in the front porch, like whatever you can do to just lift your vibe, I think really helps with content creation. And then giving yourself a time frame. Like I knew that cafe closed around five and I think I went around 12. So I was like, okay, I have five hours to knock out all these emails. That's what I'm focused on. And I, that really helped me a lot. What else? What else? Templates. Oh my gosh, guys, templates, templates save so much time. If you're wondering, like my emails every Friday, those are just a template. All I have to do is change out the link and the show notes piece. The bottom is the same. The blocks are the same. Literally all we're doing is changing out the text and the links. My graphics for my podcast, I had my graphic designer make like three or four templates. So again, all we're changing is the headline and the photo that takes five minutes. Um, Audiograms, those are templates. Anything like uh, even my podcast planning sheet, it's a template that will save you so much time. So go through your business. This is actually a, a thing that really helped me is like brain dumping what's just not working, what's taking me a lot of time. Can any of this be templated? Can I turn this into a template at some point? Or could I pick a day this week and knock all this stuff out? So this is what a lot of content creators do is they, they pick a day or two that's just dedicated to content creation and they'll knock it out for the month. So I know a lot of us see content and we're like, wow, they must be posting all day, every day. It's like, no, I bet you they created that two weeks ago and they scheduled it in their platform and it's just going live. And then they're sprinkling some live content here and there, but usually they're batching ahead. So batching, Pomodoro method, timers, environment, templates, and what's the other thing I was going to say? Repurposing. Oh my gosh. Repurposing is changing my life. It seems so obvious, but you can take one piece of content and turn it into 10. And I, for some reason, have been slowing myself down the last few months where I'm like, every piece of content has to be this new thing. Every email, every podcast has to be a totally unique idea that I've never talked about before. And I'm like, why? This podcast alone, I could turn it into right now. I'm answering different questions. I could turn this into six different Instagram posts. Then I could make them into a chart. Then I could turn it into an email. Then I could pull a quote and make a quote board. Then I could literally take a snippet of this video and turn it into a reel. Then I could put that reel in my email. So you can see how you take one piece of content and distribute it all over. Not only is that a time saver, but it's smart because you're taking your message and condensing it or extracting it in different ways that people can understand, whether they're a visual learner, audio learner, whether they read or write or whatever. So that's something that is, I would say the biggest thing when it comes to content is stop creating from blank pages every single day and repurpose. Absolute game changer. Okay. I think that's it for that question. If I think of anything else, I'll come back. But yeah, I think those are are my tips. All right. Someone else asked, how the fuck do you travel and still make money? I'd be all over the place and disoriented. I was thinking about this answer because again, sometimes I do feel disoriented. But the very first and most practical tip I have is if I know that my job is coaching, right? I am mostly on Zoom or I am podcasting. That requires quiet and privacy. So the most practical tip is booking somewhere quiet or looking up that there's a co-working space that has a quiet conference room around me. 
I would not go book a, you know, eight person hostel bed in the middle of nowhere and there's no cafes or co-working spaces nearby because that's going to be a nightmare. I could never work. I actually remember in Australia, I was staying in a hostel that was really loud and I had just started my business. There were no co-working spaces around. The cafes were so loud and I actually asked the front desk if I could use an empty room to do a masterclass. And they agreed because I was staying there for so long. But that's an instance where I learned that I cannot be staying at these like loud hostels where everybody's running around all the time because it's obviously not conducive to a quiet environment. So now I either will spend the money on a private room or maybe a smaller room or making sure, again, that there's a quiet space in the hostel or hotel or a co-working space. So that's the biggest one is like environment. Number two, and this is like more of an energetic answer, I think, but because of what I do, it's coaching and podcasting. I deeply trust myself in my work and that I'm extremely resourceful. And so what I mean by that is I don't require a lot of prep time. So I don't need a ton of time to like brainstorm a podcast or sit down and like really map things out or, you know, take an hour prepping for a client call. I've been doing it now for so long, like coaching I've been doing for a year and podcasting I've been doing for four years, that it is very easy for me to just literally within 10 minutes whip up some questions for a podcast or plan out what the episode is. With coaching, I will take maybe five minutes to think about what our last call was and look at our recaps and regroup. And then I trust myself when I'm on the call that I will have the answers for them or I will get them the answers right after the call. So when we're thinking of like prepping and brainstorming and whatever you need to do, that time frame is not a lot for me. So that's why when I'm traveling, I'm not thinking about um, adding that into the mix of my day. For me, the most important thing is the quiet and that there's an outlet and like Wi-Fi. And that's actually another tip too. Like I call places and make sure that there's running Wi-Fi or that there's a outlet nearby or again, a cafe or a co-working space. Yeah, it's not easy though. Like I'm making this sound easy. Like, oh yeah, you just got to make sure there's Wi-Fi. It's not like sometimes there are loud people or the internet is slow or I don't even know, like the converter isn't working. And that is very annoying. When I was traveling in like for a while in the last two months when I was going from like, Italy to Spain to the UK, I would not recommend that. Like that was actually really hard. I ended up taking a vacation in August because not only was it hard to ground in every place when you're picking up and going, but the time zones kept changing, which was really confusing. Like, wait a second, is the call now or did I just miss it? Was it an hour ago or is it coming up? And then the converters were different in every country. So then we would have to either like Amazon Prime them or go out and buy one. And then because it was high season, a lot of the places were booked up. So we kept having to switch hotels and hostels and Airbnbs and get Ubers and taxis. And that's when I was like, okay, if I ever did a a backpacking trip like that again, I would not at all have any calls on my calendar. I would take a vacation or I would do I would make my schedule work for me. And do something like maybe only doing calls in the morning from 9 to 10 when it's breakfast time and no one's really doing anything. So I could could have the rest of the day to explore. But again, it is hard with time zone differences. I have clients all over the US. I have clients in Australia. I have clients in Canada. And that was confusing. I'm not going to lie at all. Like I remember having to reschedule a lot or push things back or we got the time zones mixed up. 
and that was not fun. So if you're going to backpack, take a vacation and do not book calls or even think about doing like voice note and text support and not live Zoom calls and make sure you have either a universal converter or Amazon Prime to get one really quickly to wherever you're staying. Also from an energetic standpoint, like grounding. I always try to just do a quick few deep breaths before a call. I try to, I don't know, just visualize how the call is going to go. I try to get dressed and like prepared and just kind of mentally clock in. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we're here. I know we're in, you know, the middle of a hotel and we're in a tiny space in the room and the lighting sucks, but we're here. Let's take a deep breath. This call is going to be great and this is going to work. And who knows, maybe it's been easier for me because I literally started my business like in a hostel and while nannying and I was doing my first masterclass in that bedroom and then I was teaching yoga inside my hostel bedroom. So I think I've become a bit more resilient in that sense, but it's not easy. Like there were times where I remember crying to my mom, like, I just want a desk. I just want like peace and quiet. I'm so sick of like figuring out if Wi-Fi works or not. But I think now that I travel more to cities, it's so easy to find a co-working space or again, a quiet cafe that it's not as bad as it sounds. And then someone also asked, it's pretty much the same question, but like how to find balance. I purposely make my schedule work for me, which I think I just said, but I think it's worth repeating. Like I got so used to um, doing client calls in the afternoon in Germany because of the time zone difference that that just became normal for me. And so my mornings would be more of life admin, self-care, exercising, you know, tidying, grocery shopping, whatever I needed to do in the morning. And then afternoon, it would turn into like client calls and preparing for things and even me receiving coaching or being on membership calls. And I made that work for me. I was like, wow, I actually really like having the mornings to myself. And I am someone that I stopped making up fake rules for myself of like, oh, you can't work up at this time and you're not allowed to do this. That's something that I had a hard time with in the beginning, especially coming from a corporate job working like nine to six. I thought I had to keep those exact hours. And I realized, well, wait a second. I actually do a lot of my best work between like three and seven. And I know there's there's like science to this. Like some people wake up and do their best work. Some people are night owls. Some people work in the middle of the night. And for me, I really do feel like I do my best work between three to seven. Right now I'm recording this podcast. It's 4.30 and I feel like I have a surge of energy that I will go until seven. So that's really helped me understand my schedule and when to book clients. Like I don't really love doing client calls at nine or 10 in the morning because I'm so used to that time being my self-care time. So that's how I find balance. I make space in my schedule. And from a very practical standpoint, literally go in your Calendly or your Dubsado or whatever calendar links you use and block off the times that you don't want to take. I used to be, be available like all hours, any day of the week, Monday through Friday. And then I quickly learned that is not a path to balance or sustainability. So I blocked off Mondays and Fridays. I do not do client calls on Mondays or Fridays at all. Like it's like you can't book it. And then Tuesdays through Thursdays, my availability is like 12 to 6. So I had to create that. It was not easy. But after experimenting and almost burning out and like shutting down my business, I was like, okay, this is what I have to do. I have to create my own schedule. Okay, let's see. I think I have one final question here. Thoughts on twin flames. I saw someone ask about soulmates. So 
I don't know if I'm like out of the loop with this, but to me, I thought twin flames were almost the same exact thing as soulmates. I know this answer just surprises a lot of people because I am very spiritual. And again, I'm very romantic, but I now have just seen how compatible we can all be with different people. And we kind of make our, we make our relationships work for us. And we, we put in the effort to make it work. So to think that somebody just shows up as this like perfect soulmate, perfect twin flame without thinking about like communication, boundaries, needs, your environment, where you grew up, what traumas you have, how much money you make, your status, your job title. Like there are so many things that go into the dynamics of a relationship that to think that somebody like out of thin air just comes in front of you as a twin flame ready to go in my opinion, that's that's almost giving someone too much credit. Does that make sense? I hope I'm making sense here. Like my therapist actually pointed this out to me is like when we're in relationships, we teach people how we want to be loved and how we set our boundaries. So to have a twin, like a twin flame, you would have to work on that together. And I don't, I don't think that's impossible, but to think that there's Maybe I'm thinking small minded about this and I probably am. But just again, to think that there's like a soulmate perfectly baked coming out of the package ready to go for you is like a false illusion. You have to put in work. You have to understand each other. And I feel like you can do that with anybody. Okay, not maybe not anybody. Right. But like right now, if I met five people and I got along really well with three of them and I was like, you know what? I could like three of these guys could be my potential partners. I think I with those three relationships, you figure out what the dynamics are and you make it work like, okay, maybe with this guy, I I need to do a little more planning. Maybe with this guy, I need to be a little more direct. Maybe with this guy, I need to set more boundaries. But those are all pieces of me that I have to put into the relationship and make work just like I would expect them to put their effort into the relationship and make it work. Do I think there's better matches than others? A hundred percent. I absolutely believe you can be a better match with someone than versus someone else. But the more and more I learn about dating and relationships and attachment styles and all these other things that go into romantic dynamics, the more and more I just think that we can make a lot of relationships work. We just need to actually put in the work and understand what our own standards and desires are. But yeah, that's my thought on twin flames. I don't know if that, again, is like a small minded answer because I don't don't even know that I know enough about twin flames, but I don't know. I would never call somebody my twin flame. I don't even know if I would call someone my soulmate, which is interesting because my ex and I, we did call each other soulmates at one point because someone we met, it was actually this like kind of psychic medium guy in Australia said we were soulmates. I also am pretty sure he was just a guy that was on drugs on the side of the street and I'm not trying to be like facetious. Like I really think that was that was the issue. Um, so it's interesting. I'm just telling this story because I remember before that I was like, I would never call somebody my, somebody my soulmate because I think you are compatible with so many people. And so when we said that to each other, it was definitely during like the puppy love phase where you're like, oh my God, we're soulmates. Yeah, I don't think at this stage in my life, knowing how much I know now and and maturing that I would refer to someone as my soulmate. But who knows, you know, here I am single being very practical and logical about dating right now. And who knows, maybe when I get in a relationship and I get engaged, I'll be like, oh my God, it's my twin flame, my soulmate. So we'll see if I change my tune on that. But I've kind of always felt that way. I've always felt that we have more than one soulmate and soul connection or twin flame. So those are still my thoughts on it. 
Okay, well, I had a lot of fun doing this. I want to do another one. I hope it wasn't too all over the place. And I hope you have a little more insight into my life, what's going on with me, my business, my relationships, my travel plans. I think this is a really fun episode. And maybe next time we'll do themes like we can do a travel, ask me anything or a money, ask me anything or a business, ask me anything. But let me know your feedback. Like the whole point of this podcast is to make sure that you guys are engaged and that you're finding value out of this. So I want to know if you like this. If you did, let me know in the DMs at Chelsea Rife. You can always leave a review on my podcast. I'm actually running a giveaway this month. For anybody that leaves a review, you're going to be entered into a giveaway to win a one-on-one 45-minute coaching call with me. So feel free to do that and send me a screenshot and you'll be entered into the giveaway. Shoot me an email, info at chelsearife.com. And again, let me know what you thought of this episode. I had so much fun and I definitely want to do it again. Don't forget about the open app. That's open, O-P-E-N, and my promo code Chelsea30 to try 30 days of this app. I am telling you guys, the breathwork, meditation, yoga, Pilates are incredible. And it really is a game changer for your nervous system, especially if you're short on time. Three minute breathwork classes, three minute meditations, 10 minute yoga classes. Like that's my vibe these days. And this is really what helped me throughout my breakup was calming my nervous system. So I will plug in that link in the show notes and be sure to use my code Chelsea 30 so you can get 30 days for free. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I will talk to you next week.